Good morning, everyone. It is uh, good to be here in the Advent season, and it does not feel like Advent to me. Um, Mary and I are still getting used to this. Um, my daughter was in for, from San Diego for Thanksgiving, and my son's here from Texas. They'll be at the second service. But um, we went and bought a Christmas tree yesterday, and it's the first time we've ever gone and bought a Christmas tree where you could buy a Christmas tree and buy annuals at the same time. So <laughs> the other thing is we went in to... We, we always would go to Home Depot back in Chicago and we'd go in and there'd be just rows and rows and rows of Christmas trees. And we got in and they said, fresh Christmas trees. And we go, uh, where? And they go, oh, right over there in the corner. <laughs> we went and there was maybe 20 to choose from. And so we found one and then we said, we're used to more. And they said, well, this is an artificial Christmas tree place. And we go, oh, do you have good ones? And they, artificial trees. And they said, no, those are all gone. So we're getting used to it. But as we, uh, you get into the Christmas season, there's things that you do. And one thing, I always remember Christmas time was when you'd look forward to watching certain movies on TV. Now, for many of you may remember, how many of you remember TV Guide? Okay, so you had to look to find out when Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was going to be on because if you missed it, this was before VCRs, okay? And so if you missed it, you were out of luck. So as a kid, you would always want to know exactly when Rudolph was coming on because you wanted to watch that. And so all, a number of us have favorite Christmas movies to watch. So I'm going to show you a couple, um, and when you see it, just yell out if you know what movie this is. So first one. Okay, some of you sounded a little iffy there. It's Christmas Story. And that was the famous Triple Dog Dare You scene. So next one. Christmas Vacation. Next one. Christmas Carol. Of course, though, everyone, I'm not sure if you know this, the best version of that was, next one. Muppets Christmas Carol with Michael Caine, probably the best version of a Christmas Carol. Okay, next. The Grinch. Grinch, okay. Rudolph, Rudolph Red-Nosed Reindeer. Elf. Elf. Okay. <laughs> next. It's a Wonderful Life. Little Drummer Boy. And do not mock the Christmas tree over here, saying it looks like a... This is Ryan and Hector and a couple people decorated yesterday and set up everything. It is a male-dominated decoration service. So if you have any comments about the decorations, keep them to yourself. Okay, next one. Nightmare Before Christmas. I have never seen that movie. Okay, what's this? Miracle on 34th Street. Next. Home Alone. Paul Express. Christmas with the Cranks, of course. This was the last one I want to throw in, showing a great Canadian actor, Dan Aykroyd. 
But it's interesting as you consider the movies, how many of them are actually about the birth of Jesus? Very, very few. Maybe the little drummer boy, but very, very few. And that's really sad, isn't it? And when you think about it, Christmas is now celebrated by people of different religious backgrounds, not because they're celebrating the birth of Jesus, but precisely because Jesus has been taken out of Christmas. Now Christmas is about celebrating giving, love, family. And those are all good to celebrate, and rightly so. But don't get me wrong about that. But what if you had a birthday party? And people were invited to your birthday, and then everyone was told, don't mention that it's your birthday. And at the birthday party, for you, there was a celebration of love and family and giving and all those things. But it was never mentioned that it was your birthday because we didn't want to offend anyone because if we celebrate your birthday, then why didn't they celebrate my birthday? Well, I think you get the point. Well, some people, though, as we we were approaching December 25th, and I know some of you may say, well, December 25th probably wasn't the actual birthday of Jesus, and you would be correct, most likely, but there are great reasons to celebrate the birth of Jesus. The incarnation, when the Son of God takes on human form in the person of Jesus, to celebrate that on December 25th. Now, the history of December 25th as a sacred day goes far back in history. In Jewish thought, according to the Talmud and the Mishnah, a pagan festival called Saturna occurred eight days before the winter solstice, which the winter solstice is on December 21st. And then it was followed by eight days of partying after that, ending with a festival called Kalenda. And the Talmud describes this festival, though, the origins starting with Adam. Supposedly, Adam saw that the days were getting shorter, and he was worried that this was a punishment for his sin, and so God was shortening the days, and the world was going to fall back into the chaos that it began with. And after the winter solstice, Adam saw that the days were starting to get longer. So he had fasted for eight days, And then after he saw the days were getting longer, he celebrated for eight days. That's according to oral tradition. And the Talmud then says that this festival then was taken over as a pagan festival. The pagan festival they're talking about was called Saturnalia. And it was an ancient Roman festival in honor of the deity Saturn. It was held on December 17th according to the Julian calendar, and later expanded to festivities through December 23rd. The holiday was celebrated by sacrifices. You'd go to the temple of Saturn in the Roman form, and there was a public banquet. And then, to celebrate this, there were private gift-giving. You would give gifts to each other. You would celebrate in homes, and there would be festivities in the homes to celebrate this event. And there was also a change in the social order during this time where masters would serve their servants. 
The poet Catullus called this the best of days. And Saturnalia was also a festival of lights leading up to the winter solstice. The days were getting darker or shorter, and so it was a celebration of light. The idea of light was it was a search for truth, and the renewal of light and the coming of the new year was also celebrated in the Roman Empire by a day called Dies Natalis Solus Invicti, which is the birthday of the unquenchable unquenchable sun. The idea was the sun that is up in the sky, that all the gods were contained in that one sun. And so the birthday on December 23rd was the birthday of the unquenchable sun. Now, the celebration of Christmas for December 25th can go back, trace back to um, AD 336. And since then, that's when Christmas or the birth of Jesus had been celebrated. And if you want to get totally confused, read up on the change in the calendars between the Julian calendar and the Gregorian calendar. If you aren't familiar with this, Britain, you know, the countries changed over from one calendar to another. The problem was, according to the Julian calendar, we missed out on a couple days. And over every 400 years, you'd lose a couple days. So when the switch was made, you lost about 10 days. So in Great Britain, in 1752, you go from September 2nd, and then you, the next day turned out to be September 14th. Okay? Don't believe it. Pull out your phone, Google. September 5th, 1752 in Great Britain. So, all that to say, knowing the exact date of when Jesus was born is extremely difficult. And there are pagan origins of the holidays around that time. And there are many pagan traditions that we find at Christmas time gift giving, merrymaking are parts of the Roman Saturnalia celebration. Greeneries, lights, and charity are from the Roman celebration of the New Year. Yule logs and various foods from the Teutonic feasts have always fueled arguments that this holiday is a pagan holiday and we should have nothing to do with it. But while giving into worldliness must always be a concern for us as Christians... Christianity has always been about transforming and shaping culture rather than having culture shape us. And so one of the early church theologians said, we hold this day holy not because pagans, not like the pagans because of the birth of the Son, but because of him who made it. And as we enter into the Advent season, the preparation for the coming of Jesus, I want us to remind, remember the uniqueness of Christianity. Jesus Christ is unique, not one among many. He is absolutely unique, the one and only. And so John chapter 3, verse 16, a familiar passage says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. His one and only Son to save the world. 
Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Amen. So today I want us to remember the uniqueness of Christianity, the faith that we profess, the faith that began with Jesus and lives in us today. Listen to these words from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. The Apostle Paul wrote, verse 1, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. For, I receive, for what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. And after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. You want to verse 20, and it says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Now, talking about the uniqueness of Christianity, the word unique is often misused today. Unique does not need any adjectives to buttress it. It is not fairly unique or somewhat unique or almost unique. Unique means one and only, like nothing else. And we claim that Christianity is unique. The problem is, for us today, we live in a pluralistic society where we're not allowed to say that we are a unique people and that Christianity is unique with so many other religions in our society and people are very concerned today about not to offend anyone and as Christians we respect and honor the religions of other people in our midst and we value the rights and liberties for others that we want for ourselves but in saying that we also say Christianity is absolutely well, now I just used an adjective, so, is unique. Is unique. So I want to go over five points to remind you of why Christianity is unique. And the first is, Christianity is unique because it gives us a unique portrait of God. What you believe about God is absolutely critical. If you have a false concept of God then all your behavior and morals will be based on a false concept. The great Russian writer, Alexandra Solzhenitsyn, who was expelled from Russia, or from the Soviet Union, for his writings, but later returned there after the fall of communism, before his return, he wrote this. If I were asked to state concisely as possible the main cause for the ruinous revolution that engulfed some 60 million people, 
I would not state it more concisely than this, that we have forgotten God. And then he said, and the same danger confronts Western capitalism. The question for us is, what kind of God have we forgotten? You see, the Bible is not concerned or is, has very little concern about atheism. Does God exist and all that? No, the Bible is concerned with idolatry. Idolatry is giving a substitute God for the true God. It is making a God in a false image. The real God question is not, is there a God? But what is God like? What is his nature? How are we to conceive of him? Now, there are many concepts of God, and when people say that one religion is just as good as another, and if people are sincere and are passionate about following that religion, then that's okay. Well, when people say that, they're really not being open-minded, because every religion is not the same especially in its concept of God. There's a church group in America, many of you have probably known about it, they go around protesting military funerals and the such, and I don't want to get into discussion about free speech here, but when I look at what they do, I do not see their behavior coming from a concept of God that is found in Jesus Christ. And my concept or conception of God is the conception given by our Lord Jesus Christ, the revelation of God, the Word made flesh. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 1. He said this, Colossians chapter 1 verse 15, Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You go over to chapter 2, verse 9. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. In Jesus Christ, we have the full revelation of God. And Christianity is unique because of Jesus Christ. And Jesus gives us a unique portrait of God. The second thing is Christianity is unique because it gives us a unique principle of coherence in our world. It is a way that helps us make sense of this mysterious life. How can we find meaning in this life with all the possibilities of disease and disaster and death? How can we find meaning in it? We find it in Jesus Christ because in Jesus Christ, God is reconciling the world to himself. Jesus said is called the word of God. A word is an articulated thought to communicate to someone. And the mystery of our world is that in Jesus God is reconciling the world to himself. In John chapter 1, 
It says this, John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And when John writes that, he's talking about the Son of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. You go down to verse 14. It says, And the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then down to verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. And that leads us to our third point. The uniqueness of Christianity is that it gives us a unique pattern of behavior. How should we live? What is the good life? And almost all different philosophers have propounded their brand of ethics. This is how we should live. This is what we should do. And among them is there is a uniqueness in Christ's way. The way that he set for us to live. Now people will say that Jesus didn't have to deal with many modern issues in his day like human cloning, genetic alteration and the like, but Jesus laid down eternal principles for us that are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if we followed what Jesus told us to do, wouldn't the world be a much better place? One simple example is summed up in this word, greed. One of the great diseases in our world is affluenza. One it's not a type of flu, but a disease nonetheless. It's an obsession with things. And Jesus spoke to this and he said that a person's life does not consist in the abundance of the things they possess. Do we believe that? Now I know that there are many people who are going to say that, well, it's all good and well to talk about the uniqueness of Christianity, but Christians don't live up to it. And that's true, there are many skeletons in the closet of Christianity. And we hear about Christian leaders falling every day. But it is not Christ who is failing. It is not Christ who is falling. He practiced exactly what he preached, and he is the one morally perfect person on the stage of history. And it's not Christ who fails, or his way of life that fails, but rather Christians. When color televisions were introduced by NBC, um, which was owned by RCA, many people complained that they were receiving their broadcast still in black and white, and they had to tell people, you need to get a color television. If you have a black and white television, the color broadcast isn't going to work. There was no problem with the transmission, the problem was with the reception. And the problem is not with the transmission from Christ and the New Testament. It is a fact of our imperfect reception. Then the fourth 
point is Christianity is unique because it offers, gives us a unique power of achievement. It is the Holy Spirit living in us that allows us to live the life that God has called us to. And you see, Jesus takes away our sins and he transforms us and he cleanses us and he purifies us and he promises to give us the Holy Spirit, a personal God living within us. That is unique. The Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, he said, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Christ gives us the Holy Spirit who allows us to love our enemies, who allows us to forgive the unforgivable, who allows us to help the needy and the brokenhearted, who allows us to fight against temptation. So Christianity is unique because it gives us a unique portrait of God, a unique principle of coherence, and a unique pattern of behavior, a unique power of achievement. And finally, Christianity is unique because it gives us a unique promise of fulfillment. The mortality rate here on earth is 100%. So what happens when the inevitable comes? Is it merely ashes to ashes and dust to dust, a fading memory and that's all? Death is an enemy, but it is not the end. Jesus says to his disciples before his death and crucifi- on the crucifixion and death, he said these words in John chapter 14. He said, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that where I am, you may be also. Thomas, one of the disciples, said, Lord, we don't know. And then he says, I'm coming to take you to be with me. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And some people may be saying that believing in the afterlife is just wishful thinking. Absolutely! It is wishful thinking. But it is wishful thinking based on the promises of God in Jesus Christ. It is grounded in Scripture and in a risen Lord. And so what is so special about Christianity? A unique portrait of God, a unique principle of coherence, a pattern of behavior, power of achievement, and promise of fulfillment. Christianity is unique, but I often ask this question, so what? So what? Well, since Jesus is unique we have a grateful obligation to share that good news with others. Christianity isn't just one religion among many. We say it's unique. Because we say it's unique, we have an obligation to tell others. If it was just one religion among many, we would say, well, you're religious, I'm religious, everyone's religious. But since we say it's unique, we have to do something about it. And because of the uniqueness of Christianity, we have the awesome responsibility and urgency to be about Christ's mission on the, in the world. And his mission is to reconcile the world to God through Jesus Christ. And since Jesus is unique and Christianity is unique, 
we have the responsibility to make sure that nothing competes with our dedication to him and our worship of him and our work for him. The uniqueness of Christianity should humble us. And so this year, don't promote yourself. Promote Jesus only. Let me end with a letter that was written by an early church father. His name was Cyprian. It was written in the second century. He was writing to a friend named Donatus. And this is what he wrote. And it seems the same for us today. It says, This seems a cheerful world, Donatus, when I view it from this fair garden under the shadow of these vines. But if I climb some great mountain and look out over the wide land, you know very well what I would see. Brigands on the high roads and pirates on the sea, in the amphitheaters, men murdered to please applauding crowds, under all roofs, misery and selfishness. It is a really bad world, Donatus, an incredibly bad world, yet in the midst of I have found a quiet and holy people. They have discovered a joy which is a thousand times better than any pleasures of this sinful world. They are despised and persecuted, but they care not. They have overcome the world. These people, Donatus, are the Christians, and I am one of them. Are you? And I hope this year that uniqueness of Christianity gives you hope. Hope this Advent year season. Hope now and forevermore. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to know of your love for us, revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are a God who still loves this world and cares that all people come to know of your love. And so help us, Lord, to be agents of your love, to share with those in need around us, to proclaim Jesus, your one and only Son, and our Savior. And we will give you all the praise and glory. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.